Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Chatting with the Lightkeeper. I'm Edward, and today um, it's been an interesting thing as I sat down to um, to do this podcast. As usual, I have my notes of things I want to talk about, and as I'm scrolling through them, just making sure that I have everything you know in order for my little bullet points. One of the things I wanted to talk about in this episode, and I guess we'll kind of get into a preview of what's coming, um, is that I wanted to talk about um, some of the actual hands-on part of the lifestyle. Uh, Three of the most common things that everyone experiments with uh, with the lifestyle, and that would be, um, of course, bondage. I mean, it's it's the B in BDSM. Uh, And then we have... The impact play, spanking, uh, which most people who explore the lifestyle explore a little spanking along the way. And then finally, there's wax play. And it's something that people either do or they don't, but I wanted to talk about it. And when I was going through my little section on wax play, somehow that light bulb in my brain, I don't know, sometimes if I'm the only one whose brain works like this, where Somehow you see something and it triggers another thought or a memory or a thought linked to a memory in your mind. But I have always enjoyed punk rock music um, since I was really since I was in middle school. So it's been a really long time. And so I've listened to alternative radio, listened to college radio. And this was, you know, long before because I am a child. That grew up without the internet, so I couldn't just stream what I wanted to hear. I had to hunt all over the dial to find whatever I was in the mood for. And so during my teen years and, you know, through high school and through college, and I don't think we ever outgrow it. I still enjoy it now. Um, So I guess I could still say I'm into punk. And anyways, the journey into wax caused that little light bulb to flicker on in my head. And there was, there was, I was assuming was, but actually still is, amazingly enough, I was really excited to find out still exists, um, a record company, record label out of Chicago called Wax Tracks Records. And Wax Tracks, I, in the grand scheme of things, it probably wasn't a lot of money now when we value money. But at the time, I spent a lot of money on on CDs, cassettes, um, and actual records uh, from Wax Tracks Records. They had bands that perhaps you have heard of, uh, maybe not, um, but probably the best known um, was Ministry, is Ministry. Ministry still exists. I mean, when I started listening to Ministry, they were like, it was every day is like Halloween sounding. And then now when you listen to them, it's the Jesus Built My Hot Rod um, type of sound. In fact, they have a a new album out. I think it's called Still White Trash. Um, but uh, I've seen Ministry in concert. Uh, it was in the uh, the NWO Jesus Built My Hot Rod era. Um, so it was very much a... Um, very much a long way from the way the band sounded when I first started listening to them when they were on wax tracks way back in the day. Um, another band that that recordings came out on wax tracks was uh, Front 242. Um, then there was KMFDM, uh, which 
Unfortunately, uh, back in the day, we all joked that it stood for Kill Motherfucking Depeche Mode. Um, that is not what it, KMFDM stood for. The German translation is something like help, you know, like no pity for the majority um, is what it actually translates to. So our team, my, or my, my little group of nerdy friends, our, our theory on what KMFDM stood for. Uh, well, very wrong. And then finally, a uh, band, well, two bands that I had forgotten about, unfortunately. Um, but I have spent a good last couple hours actually listening to uh, My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. Um, and then there is Greater Than One. Now, Greater Than One did more than this, but really I only got into one single by them, but it's called I Don't Need God, which is a great thing to have blasting out of your car in a very conservative, very uptight religious area because it will offend people. Um, so yes, as a teen, we, my, once again, one of my good friends and I, we love to go through the, um, oh, the certain parts of town that were known to be very conservative with that blaring out of our car speakers. Um, very, very fun for us to do, to kind of flaunt, you know, teen angst, I guess. But so doing this podcast brought back all those wonderful memories of, you know, bands I had forgotten about, songs I had forgotten about. And, uh, it's fantastic to see that, uh, that ministry still exists, is still making awesome music. Um, in fact, front two, front two, front two, four, two, um, I saw where they played a show, I guess it was. Probably not all that recently, but um, yeah, it's just it's neat to see all these all these bands that I'd forgotten about that that at the time I was really really kind of into and listening to and and um, how some of them were were um, too too crazy to be played on on even some college radio stations were like no you can't play that um, so yeah it was um, it. Uh, it was kind of a throwback, and it's great to see that the labels still exist. Um, you can still go there and still purchase your, you know, a uh, ministry 12-inch singles, or you can still purchase hats, T-shirts, and, and all that good stuff. So I might treat myself to a uh, Front 242 T-shirt. Um, might just do that and see how many people nowadays look at it and say something because it's so far out there that, if you didn't know them, you would probably do a double take and other people would just be like, what the heck front two, four, two, which is probably what most people will do. You know, just like when I wear my t-shirt that says read Kerouac and then you see the people trying to sound out Kerouac and then there, you know, occasionally you might get a person that, that totally mispronounces it and they're like, who's Kerouac? It's like, Oh, good Lord. Uh, yeah, you definitely don't read. So anyway, Getting back to things, what lifestyle-related things I wanted to talk about today after after the punk rock 80s ramble and 90s and 2000s ramble, um, we're so often, and it drives me batty every time I go online and I'm scrolling through some blogs or even over on FetLife where there's the, you know, the infamous kinky and popular section where it's pretty much pornish pictures, um, but occasionally you'll have, they'll show pictures of, uh, wax play or you know suspension bondage or just plain old bondage and i see things that are just like oh my god that's not safe and i know there are people who are less experienced who are looking at it going oh well this picture has you know ten thousand likes 
So when I tie up my submissive, I want to do it like that because that picture is sexy. And it might look sexy, but it's not safe. So that got my mind turning. And here we are. We are doing a podcast on play and how to do it in a safer manner. So unfortunately, a lot of my suggestions today aren't going to be sexy. Uh, a lot of my suggestions you might hear two or three times as we go through this because there are lunkheads out there listening. Um, and I say lunkheads because I am one of them. I often have to learn a lesson two or three times for it to really sink in. So I will repeat a few things uh, a couple of times for people out there listening who might be like your host that um, need to hear it a couple, three times for it to actually sink in. So if you do hear something and you're like, you've already said this, it's because there are people like me listening. So without further ado, let's start with some mistakes that happen with bondage. Um, first of all, let's start out with the big one, and that's a lack of education. So many people, especially internet is wonderful in so many ways. It really is because we have so much information at our fingertips. However, especially bondage, when it comes to that, if you don't know what's good information, what's bad information, things you are going to see things like, oh, here's a sexy picture, and oh, it has all these likes, and assume that that means this is how you do it. And so you file that away as educational, as well as being something that turned you on. And unfortunately, it's, it is an unsafe practice, and therefore, when somebody goes to explore and do it for the first time and they have this sexy image that they want to duplicate, they are putting either themselves or their the, the bottom that they are the rope bottom that they're tying up or their loving submissive that it's, it's putting everyone at risk. So you really have to when it comes to bondage, really have to educate yourself um, to understand how to do it. Um, you know, attend workshops. Look, you can't like, I am not a bondage guy. Um, I am not a rope guy. I, um, I as, long, as well as being into punk rock, I also was in the very hoity-toity uptight world of competitive sailboat racing as a teen and early 20s person that I was in. And in that world, I started as with, with a wonderful position called a garbage man, which meant I was in charge of, after... We had completed our race. I was the one that had to clean and stow the sails and do the same with all the ropes and undo all the knots and properly put them all away. And as a part of all that process, the skipper made it a practice that I had learned to tie 75, I think it was 75 different kinds of knots. And let's just say it was not fun for me to do it. So it soured me on the whole rope bondage thing. Well, I can look at a picture or I can look at somebody who's doing like the suspension bondage where they have somebody hanging from the chandelier, shall we say, and go, oh, that's that's beautiful, that's sexy, but it's not for me. Like, I'll look at the picture and say, yes, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, it's sexy, but mm -mm, I don't want to do it. Um, so anyway, make sure that you educate yourself before you do it, especially and start small. Don't. Don't think that you're going to tie your submissive up and have them hanging from the chandelier uh, your first time out. Start really small, really basic, and work your way up. 
um, and make sure you are working your way up educationally. And please do with this. Attend workshops. Work hands-on with people who are local in your community. Because bondage is such a common, it really is a very common thing. There are people who are into bondage and into rope that aren't really into the rest of the whole BDSM, but that's there are so many people that are into it. It is very easy to find seminars and workshops in person where local experts will teach you and, you know, teach you how to do it and how to do it safely. So also with bondage, make sure you have clear communication so that you understand where you're, you know, where everyone who's involved in the tying and, and being tied and doing all of that, everyone knows what the limits are. There's no uh, misunderstandings. There's no discomfort. And and especially with this, as, as with any type of play, uh, you need to discuss any physical limitations that you might have. Um, sometimes we see people that are tied up and they're in a, the, the, the knots are intricate and the rope work is intricate and they're tied in a um, unique position. And that unique position, let's not forget, may require that person to do some stretching or do some, you know, possibly, you know, whatever it takes for them to get limbered and loosened up so they can they can comfortably be in that position. And all this needs to be communicated. Um, another big thing, keep your safety scissors. Make sure you have safety scissors. Before you even pull out that that little bit of rope to try, you know, just tying up to the bed, your partner for that very first time, very have safety scissors and have them accessible out right there on the nightstand. I know it doesn't sound sexy to have the safety scissors sitting there. If you don't have them, get them. And when you do have them, have them out so you can immediately chop, chop and undo the submissive immediately with safety scissors. Don't keep your handy hunting knife or your Swiss Army knife or a steak knife or, you know, a paring knife. What? No, it's safety scissors. Get them, use them, have them. Um, like we said before, education. So make sure that you um, are knowledgeable about your naughtiness. And if you don't know, um, don't do it. Because remember, this can result in discomfort, which can lead to injury. Or loss of circulation. And when you lose circulation in a limb, that leads to a whole host of other problems other than having it be like your arm fell asleep. It's a lot can go wrong. So understand that. And when you are, never ignore circulation. Always be cognizant. If you're the one doing the doing the binding or the person being bound, if you start to feel, you know, numbness or that, you know, my arm's falling asleep feeling. Say something. Speak up. Um, even if you have to use your safe word, um, make sure you do that. Because once again, this is something that can lead to serious problems. So if you have numbness, tingling, or discoloration, uh, um, don't tie too tightly. Um, I know it seems counterintuitive to say or you know like oh yeah that's common sense but it isn't especially when you get wound up and you get excited um i'll real quickly tell the story of the first time i did some bondage with um way back in college and the girl that i was 
in a relationship with, she had silk scarves. And silk scarves are what we used. And yes, I knew when I started the knot from saline I wanted to use that would be wouldn't over tighten and would be easy to undo and comfortable. And after the first doing her first leg, by the time I got to the second leg, I was really excited and really into this project and the concern for safety went out the window. And then from there, uh, oh, it's a car alarm that's going off outside. What on earth is that noise? Car alarm. Um, so anyways, I stopped using the right knot and was just in speedy Gonzalez mode because I wanted to get to the, you know, yummy center of our playtime and I didn't pay attention. And of course, when we finished, immediately she needed to use the restroom. My knots wouldn't come undone. So we had to, well, I had to cut the scarves so she could run to the restroom, which cost me, you know, new scarves because it was my duty to replace them since I ruined them. And yes, we had a great laugh about it, and it was funny because nothing serious happened, but it was a great lesson that things can seriously happen. Also, this falls into the shouldn't have to say it, but I do have to say it. Never leave the person that you have bound alone. Like, if you have to tinkle and you're the dominant and you have your submissive tied and you have to tinkle, you know, prudence requires you untie them while you go tinkle. Um, it's just, just don't do it. Um, once again, make sure that if you're going to be doing some positions that might be uncomfortable or straining, make sure that there's stretching done beforehand so you don't damage a muscle and all of that good stuff. Just like, um, just like a sport, you know, do your warm up routine. Um, also understand that everything in this lifestyle can be very, very mental. And sometimes we can unexpectedly trigger things in our own minds. So no matter whether you were the person being tied up or the person doing the tying, um, understand that sometimes bondage can be a emotional trigger and trigger something. And so if you are a dominant, be aware that maybe the binding and the process it could be a sudden emotional trigger your submissive didn't see coming and you might need to stop untie and what you had planned on a fun, sexy-filled evening turns into a deep discussion about something that, that they didn't um, expect to ever have surface. It can happen. And it can happen to, on the dominant side, doing it as well, be a trigger. So always be ready to address the emotional safety and physical safety, obviously, of the person you're with. and. As I said before, when my mistake, don't rush the process. Take your time. Do it right. Uh, so please make sure you always educate yourself that you're using reputable sources. You have great communication with the person that you're tying or being tied with. Safety scissors, safety scissors, safety scissors. If you don't have them, get them. And when you play, have them out and have them accessible. There is no crime in having the safety scissors sitting out on top of the nightstand. It's just, it's easier, it's better. And as always, have consent, respect everyone's boundaries. Be a proficient in what you know and what you do not. And if you don't know, if you don't know, don't try the not. 
Um, remember to always check circulation. Be aware of the position you are tying somebody or being tied in, especially if it's going to be something where they're in it for a while. Be aware of the positioning. Um, always have those conversations during the process, and these are the unsexy ones. How are you doing? Is that too tight? Are you okay? Don't just rely on nonverbals. Pay attention to all nonverbals, but have those check-in discussions and conversations. Don't, especially if you're dominant, don't just sit back and expect that, oh, I'm going to wait for them to tell me that something's wrong. Check in with them. Have those conversations. Have an emergency plan. Like I said, those safety scissors are sitting out. Understand where they are, how to use them. And if there's a problem, have a plan in your mind. In fact, I would just like, like here where I live, uh, now that it's fall, winter is soon coming. With winter comes the chance of severe storms, severe winter storms where power can be knocked out. The snow and ice can be out there. So it's, you are unable to get out even with, even I have a pick-em-up truck. Even my pick-em-up truck might not be able to make it out. Um, it has happened. So you have to have an emergency plan. Just like that, you need to have an emergency plan if something goes bump with the bondage. Stay hydrated, um, but not to the point where you're maybe having to pee every 10 seconds. Um, also, um, stay sober. You don't do things like this when you are under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Just don't. And yes, yes, I know. I know there are people out there that'll say that that they do it just fine and little weeds, okay, don't. Especially if you are novice, just don't. Be 100% sober. Avoid sharp objects. I know that sounds crazy, um, but obviously no sharp objects around. That's why we have safety scissors, not regular scissors or a knife. Um, and also with the rope or whatever you're going to be doing with the bondage, um, keep that away from sharp objects because let's say you were using a leather cuff. Um, if you have a sharp object that has or cut the leather, that can cause it to be uncomfortable um, for the person that you're going to put it on. So be aware of sharp objects and how they can even impact your rope or the um, your you know cuffs or the other bondage gear that you may have. Um, and of course, if you don't know what you're doing, get professional guidance and aftercare. Talk about it. If it's a um, casual playmate, Make sure you negotiate exactly what you need. Even if you're, you know, if you're dominant, you still need to go negotiate what you need. Um, if it's, you know, if it's casual, make sure you negotiate every detail. Um, and if you're in a relationship, you need to provide the aftercare if you're dominant or, you know, submissive. Remember, you're dominant. You may also need aftercare. So be aware of that. So that's my spiel on bondage. And hopefully things will not go bump with your bondage. And you can, I don't know, kind of take this like a college class. You know, this is the lecture portion. And then you can take your trusted partner and uh, you, or partners and you can do your lab work um, when and where it's convenient for you. Um, next up, let's get into some wax tracks. Um, maybe while we're doing some wax play, we can um, play some of uh, wax tracks, greatest hits, get the front 242 going, a little KMFDM or you know, a little ministry, um, even though I don't think necessarily that Jesus built my pot rod would be ideal background music for a romantic evening. Um, but for some, perhaps it is, but for me, it's not, but I, I do enjoy it. Um, wax play, once again, 
you have to have communication. You have to have consent. Uh, make sure that you have, you know, safe words, safe gestures. And and sometimes wax play can be, you know, incorporated in with the bondage. Um, the first major rule with wax play, get candles specifically designed for wax play. You know, there are there are lifestyle toy makers out there um, and there are lifestyle candle makers out there. Choose candles that are designed for this. You want a candle that has a low melting temperature. Uh, paraffin candles are known for low melting temperatures. But just don't head over to your biggest box retailer and buy a paraffin candle and say, okay, this will work. Um, it'll cost you more money, but go to a reputable you know, candle maker who makes candles specifically for this. Um, and if you are buying off the shelf, if you're going to do it that way, because there are people who are going to do it that way, avoid those with obviously the high melting point temperatures, um, like a standard household candle. So Yankee candle is not where you go to get a candle for this. You may like how the scents are or how the store smells, but don't use one of their candles. Um, beeswax candles are notoriously high melting points. Um, what happens when you have a high melting point is that wax is hot, 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 which causes burn, burn, burns. And we don't want burns. Um, it is a sensation place. So yes, you want the warmth on the skin, but you don't want it obviously to cause burns. Um, so you've got the right candle, but before you start, um, first of all, prepare the area that you're going to play. Um, protective coverings are great. Towels that you don't love, towels that you're not in love with, um, disposable sheets um, or drop cloths like you're going to paint because cleaning wax up off of carpet or whatnot, that is, it's just, it's not fun to clean up. So wherever you're going to engage in this play, make sure you have all the goodies to make cleanup an easy snap. And so you won't ruin your own flooring or your bed, or whatever, wherever you're going to do this. Prepare your play space. Um, and then when it comes time, test, 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 test the temperature of the wax. And it needs to start with the dominant testing it on their own skin. Start there. Um, see how it feels to, to you, the dominant. If it feels good, if it feels, you know, has warm but is not burning, and you're testing it on the appropriate area. Um, I, when I do wax play, necessarily don't recommend it, but I like to do it like I am told you do with, say, a baby's bath water, testing it with the um, back of your wrist, the temperature. I don't know if that's true or not. I am not a parent. I have never given a baby a bath. I have never changed a diaper. Um, and yay for me, I have avoided that successfully. Um, so anyway... Conduct a patch test. The dominant does it on themselves first. They don't drip it on the submissive. Is that okay, honey? Start with yourself and go from there. And then you do the same with the submissive. Then you, you know, on a non-sensitive area, you start there. Is that okay? Is that a good temperature? Um, another part of that, part of the thing to consider when you're doing this is how high you have the candle above the submissive or, you know, above your where you're dripping it on yourself to test it. Um, typically, 18 to 24 inches is, is a good distance, a foot and a half to two feet. Um, and for those of you who are listening around the world where it's in metric, I didn't think to convert this over to centimeters. So I apologize. 
um, you will need to do that own conversion. So ask Google what uh, 18 to 24 inches translates to in centimeters. Um, that's a typically a good distance and helps kind of keep a consistent heat so it's consistently the same if you keep the candle um, roughly that high off the person. Um, also, um, control the wax flow. It's very important to kind of keep it rhythmic um, and not do it so it's hot and heavy and then light, hot and heavy. Yes, you can play with that to achieve sensations that you want, but focus to begin with um, on an even controlled distribution. Even if you want to go heavy in an area, it's because you're in control. So learn how to control the flow of of the wax. And I've seen this so many times where they will show a dominant doing wax play and their their hand will be covered in wax, which it will be. Um, and inevitably you'll see a comment from somebody saying, oh, look, you can see that he cares because he's tested the temperature on his hand. And it's the hand that the dominant is holding the candle in. And there's and it's like, no, holding like, typically holding a candle, doing wax play, the hand you're holding it if you're a dominant. And if you do have an issue with getting wax on yourself, you're in a world of hurt because it's going to, your your hand will be covered with wax. It's going to happen. Um, where you test the temperature of your dominant is typically the other hand. So every time I see that, I'm just like, oh, that's a comment of somebody who thinks they know, but they don't know. So anyway, I don't know where that, that comes from. But anyway, when you do start with the wax, just like everything else, start with less sensitive areas. Um, so often you see the sexy pictures where wax is being applied to, um, to you know, sexy, um, sensitive places. But don't start there. Start with um, the back, uh, the the you know the butt, the upper thigh. Start with start with the less sensitive areas, and then slowly work your way into the more sensitive areas. Um, and as always, wax does not go inside somebody. It's an exterior coating. Don't try to put wax places where it doesn't belong. Um, and as you go through this process, make sure you are communicating with your partner. How does it feel? Is this okay? Is it too hot? Uh, make sure you understand their safe words. You understand how to speak your safe words. Also know what their gestures are. If they start waving their hand a certain way or moving in a certain way, it's the stop signal. Understand those, know them, practice them, have it all in control before you journey into this. And once again, aftercare, either negotiate it if it's a casual play encounter or if it's a committed relationship. Aftercare is just as much um, a part of the plan. In fact, I have a saying that um, you need to plan aftercare with the same intensity that a play session is planned and developed. So you need to do the same with aftercare, just like you would for the play. And as always, if you are unsure with what you're doing, um, wax play is not something where you can ask for forgiveness after the fact. Most of the time, something goes bump. So know what you're doing beforehand, because this is not something where you can say, oh, gee, honey, sorry, I burned the shit out of your bum with the wax being too hot. Uh, it's not a... It's not an easy to forgive after the fact mistake 
area. So know what you're doing before you engage in it, please. Um, it is something where there are dangers. You need to understand those dangers. You need to understand those risks. And you need to know the, you know, how to keep it safe. You need to know how to do it. And even if you're the person that's having the wax dripped on you, you need to understand how it's supposed to be done the proper right way so you can tell whether you are in a potentially dangerous situation or not. So that is wax play. Now we're on to the fun of spanking. Um, who doesn't love either giving a spanking or receiving a spanking? And I know there are some people out there who are, meh, on spanking, it's not their thing. And that's awesome. Um, so let's start with how do we make our spanking safer? Um, and as always, we start with communication. We talk about it before it happens. We have consent. We understand boundaries. We understand safe words. We understand limits. And we know what is okay and what isn't okay. And we understand that um, consent can't be given in the, the middle of play for something new. We can't add to what's on the menu while we're at dinner. The menu is negotiated before we get to the spanktastic dinner. Um, we understand safe words, gestures. We know what they are. We respect them. They're all in place. So we've got all of that. That's that's pretty much the basics. Now, spanking, so often we see pictures online, and it drives me batty, where you will see a dominant post a picture of, look what I did with my submissive this weekend. Look at her beautiful, freshly spanked body. And you can see the places where the, you know, there are impact marks on their body. And they are in places where they should never have an impact mark. And it's like, oh, my God, there is there's a handprint on her kidneys or on his kidneys or on their kidneys. And it is just like, oh, my God. And you are posting this for the world. You are proud of this. Holy crap. Uh, and you see it all the time. If you pay attention and you look for it, you will see this. So before you spank anybody or before you get spanked, um, and submissives, this is really important. Even though you aren't going to be the one wielding the flogger, understand how it all works. Understand the techniques, the tools, all the safety precautions that need to go into it from the dominant side. Because if you, you need to know what is right and what is wrong. So you know whether the person that is it's banking your butt knows what they're doing and able to do it safely. So even though it, it sounds like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm the bottom. I'm the bottom. I don't need to worry about the how to do it. I just have to, you know, bend over and be spanked. No, it's not. You have to know that. So it's important that no matter whether you're the spanker or the spanky, that you understand everything from all the perspectives even if it's not the perspective that you are going to enjoy the practice with. Um, next up, pick the right equipment. Um, perhaps the equipment is limited. Um, one of my favorite things is a wooden spoon. However, maybe the wooden spoon is a trigger um, for your partner. So you have to put the wooden spoon away. Use the right equipment. It's not just avoiding things that are triggers, um, but it's also kind of to your skill level. Um, you know, if you are new, you'd maybe want to just start with your hand before you add a paddle or a flogger or a, before you add one thing to the mix, you know, start 
Start kind of small and work your way up. And also, it's very important that when you are going to add some tools um, to your tool belt of spanking toys, make sure that you are choosing good quality materials um, and that they're body safe, meaning that they're leather, they're silicone, or or rubber. Um, sometimes you can go to the adult toy store and pick up something. I mean, there are plastic spanking tools out there. Please know. Um, there are so many craftsmen, uh, especially when it comes to like leather or rubber stuff. Um, rubber stuff, boy, that's a very technical term. There are so many craftsmen and craftswomen and craftspeople in the lifestyle that make amazingly high quality banking tools. Um, start there. Um, you know, shop local. I know it sounds crazy, but really, you need to choose good materials for this. Um, start kind of lighter because typically heavier tools are harder to control and also can lead to a more intense wallop. So my advice would be to start with something light and easy to control and work your way up in size and weight. Um, and it also, part of having the right equipment is getting what works not only for you, the spanker, but works for the spanky. Um, so it has to be a mutual thing. So perhaps if you're in a relationship, you can go shopping together for spanking tools. I mean, that could be an exciting, you know, Rather than dinner on a movie, dinner, uh, a little spanking tool shopping, and then home to um, try out the uh, try out the new tools in the workshop. Um, when it comes to getting in the workshop and putting those tools to work, so many times when you see videos of spanking, uh, the spanker just starts right in, you know, with um, King Kong-sized wallops on the spanky's bottom. Don't start with just, you know, it's not a, even if you are doing spanking as a um, correction or a punishment, you can't just start in there like wallop and away. You have to work your way up to the wallops. You have to start softer, slower, and build. And it needs to be said, even if you are using spanking as a punishment, you still must always respect safe words and gestures and always warm up, start gradually and build the intensity. And remember what, you know, I shouldn't have to say it, but I will. What worked for one partner will not work for another. So don't expect that. Understand that everyone is different. And so you start small and work your way up and you pay attention to the Spanky's nonverbal communications. And as always, you always have those wonderful, very unsexy communications. How are you doing? Is that okay? Is that too hard? Especially when you are in the, when, when you are newer together. Um, perhaps when you've been with a partner for 10 years, you, you don't necessarily need to inquire like that as often. But especially as you're starting out or if you're moving into a higher level of intensity from where you were in the past, you do need to have those check-in conversations. And always bank safe places um you never strike the spine you don't strike joints and yes there are people who have a fetish for um, face slapping it is a thing it is a kink um that is not something where you haul off and crank somebody in the face 
you don't do that. It's a, for people that are into it, it's not like that at all. So don't think you're just going to haul off and wallop your submissive upside the face. Mm -mm, doesn't happen. Um, you don't want to give them a shiner because that means you will probably end up in a, uh, in a wonderful back of a squad car for domestic abuse. So don't do it. Um, areas with major blood vessels, you don't strike, obviously, major organs. Like, you don't hit kidneys. Um, I'm a hockey player, so I have been speared. That's uh, where you take the butt end of the hockey stick, not the curved end that you shoot the puck off of, but the other end where I've had that jammed into my kidneys. I have been punched in the kidneys playing hockey. Um, I have stopped a puck with my kidneys, um, all sorts of things um, with my kidneys. And let me tell you, um, when you go to the bathroom the next day and you are producing something that's Marlowe colored, it is not an enjoyable experience. Um, thankfully, um, I have not damaged my kidneys. Thank goodness. Um, and yes, this is an area that, that is padded in, in hockey gear. This is through padding. So even a simple misguided spank where it lands on the kidneys can be damaging. And remember, we only have two, and there are people that only have one. Um, it just naturally happens. So don't strike the area around the kidneys. Simple as that. It's a very common thing to see people mistake and hand slip, saddle slips. Don't let it happen. So, you know, Butts and thighs are fantastic, but be careful and make sure you stay within yourself if you are the spanker. Make sure that you are keeping your wits about you while you spank with whether it's your hand or a paddle or whatever your preferred tool is. And there are people who enjoy having and receiving bruises or broken skin or even excessive pain from spanking. It's their jam. That's great. But until you understand a person and know and have done it before, take any signs of bruising or abraded skin or excessive pain as a warning sign to stop, not as a continue on and continue on because they haven't had their had their, had their said their safe word yet. Um, and as always, um, once again. If it's a casual place ship, negotiate the aftercare. If it is a loving relationship, engage, make the aftercare the best part of it. Um, and boy, I had this like point that I wanted to wanted to uh, to make, and it completely slipped my mind now. And of course, it's not in my notes. It's one of those little X, one of those little thoughts that pops into your your head while you're while you're talking and. And you're like, oh yeah, I'll get to that in just a second. And then just a second arrives, and, and that thought is that thought is gone. And so, yeah, whatever the thought is that is that is gone is long said and gone. So anyway, on that terrible disappointment, um for each thing of my notes. I think we've covered what's in my mind. Um I thought about doing a little thing because if I um, release the podcast on Spotify, which is my platform that I uh, release the podcast from. Um, I could play some um, for Spotify listeners only, of course, um, songs from Wax Tracks Records to end it with. But then again, I thought, no, if somebody's listening on, you know, Apple or if they're over on Amazon or on iHeartRadio, they are not going to um, 
to hear this, and instead they would hear silence or birds chirping. Um, actually, no birds chirping. It would just be silence. So, yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna do that. So, um, if you're curious what I listened to when I was a younger person, when I was into punk rock, um, you know, check out some ministry. Um, start with um, the 12 inch singles. Every day is Halloween. Uh, was one of those uh, anthems of my youth, uh, and then you can follow their their transition to and their change in sound from you know every day is Halloween to uh, to NWO to Jesus built my hot rod, um, and then of course there's Front Two Four Two, which I don't know. I guess if you're my generation or my nerdy punkish outcast group, you know Two Four Two KMFDM. And my life with Thrill Kill Cult, all those great bands. Check them out, listen to them. Um, I'm sure that if you haven't listened to them, haven't heard them, and you've only heard me talk or know bits about me, I think you might be surprised. Maybe not. I would love to know how you how you think of my my musical taste. Now that you know about my the special place that Wax Tracks Records has in my heart. But on that note, we will wrap it up for this week. I hope everyone has a fantastic week in that their fall is going great. Um, I'm excited. The end of this month is my birthday, so I'm I'm already looking forward to that. So I wish everyone a great week, and I'll talk to you soon, which I guess will be next week. So until then, be safe and have fun. <laughs>